Hello Survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 32 and in this edition we take a long overdue look at Leon's great big European adventure, usually known as Resident Evil 4. My name is Cyniac, you can just call me Cy and joining me on the panel this week, like a trained animal, sometimes the only way to get his attention is to point and yell, Aliastar! From Serial Box 64, it's Jordan Sugru. Hi folks. He can roll you a perfect charisma saving throw, but quick time events on a keyboard and mouse prove just a little bit trickier. It's Moist Owlet, aka James. <laughs> Hello. My right hand may not come off, but he does wield a mean red nine. It's fire button Steve Valance. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> with enough explosives in his inventory to kill Sadler and everyone that he goes to bingo with, it's explosive A, Boy Wonder Adam. Hey, hey guys. This episode of First Aid Spray, like all others, was recorded live on our Discord server. Enter our little world of survival horror now to hear the show early and unedited, as well as join our wonderful community and keep up to date with all of the latest news. You can find a link to the server, as well as all of our social media profiles at our website, fasprayPod.com. You can also help the show by checking out our merch, or by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month, with various tiers, each with their own perks. Head over to patreon.com forward slash fasprayPod for a full list and the chance to create bonus first aid spray content. Housekeeping on this episode is... Actually, there's quite a lot going on uh, in the transitional period from 2020 to 2021. First of all, uh, thank you to our latest Patreon supporter, World War Phil. Thank you to you for supporting the show and keeping us afloat. Very much appreciated. Um, So we've been streaming a little bit. Uh, We did the second birthday celebration stream at the beginning of December as we talked about quite a lot you can relive that now over on our YouTube both parts of us playing through Resident Evil 2 1998 is out there to re-watch at your pleasure you can also go back and watch our Christmas special if you missed it it's a bit out of season now I suppose but that was a good time Adam wrote a wonderful little script and we all took part in it uh, something a little bit different and a little bit goofy so the Christmas special is on there as is a much more serious video our most recent editorial is a focused video on Blue Umbrella, the uh, mysterious company that you see at the end of RE7. We delved into the history of that company because there's there's little bits of information dotted here and there in supplemental materials. Uh, so that's been strung together. A look back at what is a really interesting piece of lore and covers a lot of missing gaps. Blue Umbrella need their time in the sun, so if you don't quite understand the history of that company, I would recommend that one, definitely. There's always new stuff happening on our YouTube, so do subscribe, youtube.com forward slash First Aid Spray Podcast. Um, The Metal Gear Solid bonus episode is out now for Patreons, has been for a couple of weeks. It'll be coming out publicly at the end of January, but if you want to hear that right now, go and support us on Patreon. $5 a month will get you all of the bonus episodes early, as well as our our Dawn of the Dead podcast, which is the latest poll winner. We'll be talking about the George A. Romero classic original and the 2004 remake. Uh, we'll be recording that sometime in the next few weeks or so. And as always, yeah, Patreons will get that one exclusively early. And rounding it back out on Twitch to finish as well, we are doing more streams recently, uh, including I have been playing Resident Evil 2, the board game, live on Twitch, attempting to get through... Absolutely all of it, core game, B-Files, all the expansions, we're going to try and go through it, uh, probably streaming once or twice a week, so make sure you follow us on Twitch to be notified when that goes on, because that'll probably just be one of these things that floats around depending on when I'm available, but I'm going to try and stream as much as possible to get through that as well. That's all of the housekeeping out of the way, let's move on to... 
the Biohazard News. Our first and only bit of news this week. Uh, I hope I pronounced these names right. Uh, Sammy Azero and Josh Crudus have been added to the Resident Evil film cast as Enrico Marini and Ben Bertolucci, respectively. Somewhat of a I've surprise, I think. Any of these guys, I've got to be honest. Yeah, I've, I'm not familiar with either of them. I think they are, I guess, in, in, a, in, a, in a way, not to sound mean, but sort of relative unknowns, which is nice. Nice to see some fresh faces. But also, what was striking to me is just as the fact that we're still getting cast announcements, right? It's getting crazy now how many characters are getting shoved into this thing. I mean, like, I thought they'd finished filming. I thought that was the thing they'd said. I think yeah. they have. These are probably, yeah, post-shoot announcements. Yeah. Is anybody aware of either of these actors at, any, at all? Nope. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, then definitely uh, relative unknowns. I'm looking forward to seeing their debut in the Resident Evil universe. Yeah, mm. same. I mean, the fact we've got Enrico and Ben are pretty deep cuts as it is. Mm. If not the fact we don't know what the actors are like, we at least know these characters are in it. Yeah, I mean... I mean Lisa Trevor's going to be in it. That's pretty deep, deep cut there. Yeah, so. again, just there's so much there. Stuff that you could think that if you're going to try and tell the story of the first two games, which is what it looks like it's going to be, there's stuff that you can cut around there that you don't have to show. You can not include Lisa Trevor technically. You could imply, you know, uh, Bravo team, but not really show them. So I didn't really expect to get an Enrico casting at all. I said this in the server, though. The guy that they cast is quite young, doesn't really, at least in his picture that I've seen of him, perhaps he's grown a, a moustache for the role and stuff, but he doesn't scream um enrico from the games to me but i'm actually kind of okay with that because if this is this is going for a remake looking style as we saw from the set photos um so it kind of maybe it will fit better with that sort of look and that sort of version of the universe and yeah ben another character that they could have skirted around really don't really need to include him especially with how like lacking in screen time he has in remake too but it's cool that he's there nonetheless mm-hmm. is it <laughs> Yeah, well, we might get to see his head explode on the big screen now. I don't know. I maybe. can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I've, I'm starting to have issues. <laughs> it's going to get a little bit worrying if they keep adding new names it's every week. It's just... I mean, how long is this movie going to be? <laughs> That's my concern. Yeah. Four, five, six, seven, so it's like 12 characters so far, which mm. is already a lot for a movie. Like, do... some of the... You have to assume some of them are going to be like one and done. Right. Like, yes. It's Richard Aiken. Oh, he's dead. Like we didn't even hear his <laughs> yeah. name or whatever. Like you know, it's yeah. I don't Almost know. Certainly. I'm starting to become it's starting to become worrisome for me. <laughs> I mean, it could be a case of the teasing cast, and these people are actually just like you know dead on the floor when we see them anyway. They're not actually right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like yeah. It's a way of saying, look who's your favorite characters in the movie, Capcom Resident Evil fan. Uh, they were dead before the film even started, but, you know... Hey. <laughs> Here's a, a weird one for you, though, of, of what a reference to make. Um, sometimes they'll shoot films with characters in mind and then cut the scenes, uh, just because right. it's, it, it's unwieldy, like you say, the length might get out of hand. They, I know they did that with Harry Potter, with uh, with Peeves the Ghost. They shot with uh, an actor and everything, and then it got cut. 
as, as Rick Mail, I think, um, and then it never got used. So it is. <laughs> let's hope that's not the case in a way for these actors who both seem quite uh, passionate about being part of that universe. If nothing else, I guess it's a good sign that you know the people in charge of this film understand the lore, know the characters, and maybe it's just a way to build hype. Look, look we even we've even cast an Enrico and a Ben, you know. I I just yeah I guess so it's weird like if you look at the guy who's playing Leon though like there's nothing to me it's just like I don't know he looks nothing like Leon S Kennedy like he's he's Canadian but he looks mm. South American I mean I mean uh, let's let's be honest the Resident Evil franchise doesn't know what Leon S Kennedy looks like you know? that's fair <laughs> it has yeah. curtains that's about all they remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean. I suppose in some degree we'll find out soon enough. Um, we'll probably get a trailer early summer, I think. But obviously it depends on what the plan for the release schedule is and whether that moves depending on with the situation right. with cinemas and stuff and streaming services this year. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see when we get that first look. Definitely, yeah, that'll help us get a clearer picture, I think. I just have to temper my expectations. I mean, to be fair... I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's a Resident Evil film. It's, <laughs> it's not got a lot to live up to. Right. Just watch as much as you can stand the final chapter first, and then you'll be well <laughs> that's away. A good, that's think. a good idea. <laughs> not, not all of the f***ing thing, because you want to like you know end it. You want to watch the next film. <laughs> just as much yeah, as you can stomach. Sai, we could have just watched the last movie. How dare you put us through <laughs> the entire thing? <laughs> I I'm leaving. Yeah. Yep, oh, well, it's done now. <laughs> Okay, well, that is all of the news, basically, uh, which is probably a good thing because we've got quite a lot to talk about, one of the most important games in the franchise, so stay tuned for our discussion on Resident Evil 4. And now, reading the file info on Ashley Graham from Resident Evil 4, Mitch Zander, who you can follow on Twitter at MitchZanderVA. Name. Ashley Graham, age 20, daughter of the United States President. She was kidnapped by an unidentified group on her way home from the university. The kidnapper's motives are still unknown, although there's reliable information that the perpetrator is an insider. Only a handful of people know about this kidnapping. It's been kept under wraps, mostly due to the fact that we can't determine who the traitor is. The guys in intelligence say they have reliable information that Ashley's been sighted somewhere in Europe. But until we find out who the insider is, I don't know what to believe. It could be a ploy. We have very few leads as to the whereabouts of Ashley. But members of the Secret Service and anyone related to Ashley are being questioned by an investigative team. Even active agents are being investigated for any information. It's just a matter of time before the kidnapper is exposed. So here we are. It is time to talk about Resident Evil 4, without doubt one of uh, the most controversial <laughs> subjects we'll ever discuss, but perhaps the biggest game in the series, almost certainly, it's right up there with the original um, in terms of public appearances and legendary status, it's quite a lot to unpack. Um, so starting right at the beginning, as we often do, and perhaps this is going to be one for the most of interesting stories. I, lo I love hearing the first reaction stories, but Ari Vore is going to have some some classics, definitely. So, uh, Adam, what was your first reaction to 
RE4 when you got it in your hands and you played it for the first time way back 16 years ago? Uh, I was just blown away by it. You know, it's there's a reason it, it has the kind of legacy it has. Um, it's easy to look at it nowadays and kind of be like, oh yeah, you know, we've seen loads of games like this, but this was the game that made loads of games like mm. this. So it was a completely new experience and especially for the, the, the kind of the time when it came out, there wasn't, you know, like GameCube did a really good thing of like somehow looking like better than a lot of other systems. Mm. Which is funny because when we think of Nintendo, we don't always think of like, oh, it looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know, obviously Remake looked astonishing and kind of still does. Um, And Resident Evil 4 was kind of the same. Uh, It's hard to think about now because there's been so many ports. So we've all played it in like HD. So it kind of blurs the lines of how good it actually maybe looked back on GameCube. But I just remember being like, totally blown away by it um it it just kind of was this game that i literally i think i played it start to finish then i restarted it immediately Mm. and i think i did that about four times i just played (laughs) it through and then restarted it and played it through i was just like amazed by that game it's you know, it's my favorite Resident Evil game, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, 4 is kind of where it went off the rails, but we can kind of talk about that a bit later. I've mm-hmm. got a few opinions on that. But yeah, first opinion on this game was just like, it yeah. just, it kind of made me fall. It was at a point where I wasn't playing many games, and it kind of made me fall back in love a bit with, with video gaming. That's fantastic. Um, Steve, what was your first reaction to RE4? Did you get it on GameCube as well? Or did you wait to the PS2? I did. I did. Mm. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little story now. Back, back, it was 2005, right? I'm not going crazy. I'm not going insane. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, it was, um, yeah. So young Steve, much like older Steve, was uh, occasionally a rule breaker and someone who has a bit of disrespect for authority because he is a hashtag bad boy. And uh, <laughs> RE4 <laughs> cost me my job. I was already on thin ice as it was at Saints <laughs> And I bunked off work. They found out I was just faffing around with the video game. When I went back in after the weekend, I uh, basically I was keeping both barrels and I couldn't defend myself, so I just walked out. So <laughs> six of one, half a dozen the other. I lost my job because of RE4. But it was, it was fun. But I, I can't say it wasn't worth it because <laughs> RE4 to me then and you know me now to an extent, like. Yeah. I was blown away by it. And like, like Adam says, the graphics are phenomenal. The gameplay is really, really different to say. It's just, if you look at mechanics, it's a camera change and an aiming change. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just, the first weekend I had a blast. I, I was confused because I'd been watching like all the pre-release trailers and hype, but I hadn't like been reading into it. Like I hadn't realized I actually scrapped game after game after game. I was expecting, yeah. when's, when's the blimp going to show up? When's the hook, the hook mountain going to show up? Mm. For that, And then, Never happened. Uh, um, yeah, it was it was a, a surreal time. Uh, like obviously, I got in serious trouble with my mum over this game, but that that that's ancient history. Now we're good. We're good. I have a good Resident Evil game. Sainsbury's can go fuck itself. <laughs> she uh, didn't. Know, she didn't know it was going to lead to a successful podcasting career. No, she didn't. She didn't. So yeah, uh, 
conflicting and confusing memories for this game, but generally a good time uh, came with some family arguments. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, James, what was your first um, experience with RE4? Resident Evil 4 is the first Resident Evil I ever played, and then I didn't play any other Resident Evil, and so I played it with you guys. That's well, what I thought. Well, with Steve. Um, it was... I, I bought... Oh, so, so it's... Okay, set the scene. It's Christmas time, okay? Um, I just got paid, and I really wanted, wanted a Nintendo Wii, okay? But they're constantly out of stock. I go to Choices videos, okay? They're not around anymore. I go to Choices videos. They're the only ones that have a Wii. I go, how many Wii's you got? They say, we've got, we've got three more Wii's in stock. And I'm like, okay, but you have to buy four games with it. And I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, great. I'll go bust uh, to get a Wii. So I, I choose what I, what, I, what I want. And I choose for no random reason other than the front cover looks freaking amazing. Uh, Resident Evil 4, Tomb Raider, uh, Anniversary, and a couple of Wii games. And... I got home and I played Resident Evil 4 and it was the best thing best thing ever. It was like, wow, what is this technology in 2005 or 6 or whatever? Right? It was great. Um, yeah, and I had a blast with it. And I was like, wait, this isn't what I rem remember from the first hour of playing Resident Evil 3. This is completely different. Right? How, what's happened to Resident Evil <laughs> since Resident Evil 3? But I, I really, really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I, I, put, I played that game quite a few times back in that year. Um, yeah, and then but we're going to be talking about, I'm going to be talking about mostly about my experience with the keyboard and mouse. Mm. But I, I still think that the Nintendo Wii version is so freaking good. And I think that's pretty much, um, like everyone agrees with that. But the keyboard and mouse is pretty good too. Uh, in that case, Jordan. What was your first experience with RE4? Which console did you start with? Well, uh, my first experience of actually playing Resident Evil properly was was on the PS2, um, but I beat it on the Wii version. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I kind of we, we covered this way back when in our very first episode for um, the podcast series. Uh, but yeah, those those were my first experiences. But as far as the actual uh, launch. And experiencing it when it first came out on the GameCube, I was in the U.S. at the time. So, what really kind of you know stuck out to me was just how much hype there was for this game. Mm. And it's especially crazy looking back because it came out. Um, I think it was like the second week of January. And if you if you go and have a look at what 2004 was like in those last few months, it was crazy. There were, so, there were so many fantastic games that came out. You had World of Warcraft, Half-Life 2, Halo 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, uh, Metroid Prime 2, hmm. uh, San Andreas, all within the previous sort of three-month block. Jeez. And yet, most of the buzz was still about what was on the horizon with Resident Evil 4. And that's, that's mad to me, because we obviously look at those games, and any one of those games could be, you know, the defining game of that of that period of that year mm. of that quarter and uh yeah there was just there was just such a buzz about it which i, I still can't i still can't quite understand it because it's like obviously resident evil was was popular but this just seemed like it was on another level um so yeah like i i thought it looked you know fascinating it was it was compelling um the atmosphere was what first really got me hooked. It just it 
it looked like nothing else um, in terms of just just having that presence to it, um, you know, as a, as a horror game and kind of, you know, really feeling like you're going to be uh, against the odds in, in this title. Um, I think as far as gameplay, it took me a little bit more, more time to actually acclimatize to it, which is probably why I got on better with the, the Wii edition as opposed to the PS2 edition. Um, I mean, the game looked fine on, on, on the PS2. I know, obviously, it's it's considered sort of graphically the worst one, but considering it was already one of the best-looking games of its time, mm. even a downgrade still looks pretty good. Um, but yeah, that was that was my first experience. It was it was with the Wii edition actually beating it, and yeah, it it, it stuck with me all those years as just uh, a, a near perfect experience that we'll get into. I I'm going to be that person. I'm going to stand out like a sore thumb here. Um around the time for me um my Resi fandom started to dip a little bit around this period. I know I had Remake and I played Remake and I think I struggled with it because it was so terrifying at the time. Um but other than that I missed the sort of the PS2 games, you know, the spin-offs and Outbreak and stuff like that. Um, so there was a lot of games that I wasn't really, hadn't picked up and didn't really know much about. I remember seeing all the, the stuff, as we mentioned, about RE4 and its other versions. And I think I just kind of got tired of waiting for it in a way because it seemed like it was always being shown off and, and not necessarily coming. And then by the time what we got to this sort of fever pitch, it didn't look to me like the Resident Evil that I knew. And my early memories are not playing it. My early memories are of watching it, watching a friend who'd never played Resident Evil before start with Resident Evil 4 and just fall head over heels for it, just completely addicted. I have really strong memories of sitting in his tiny bedroom, watching him play through the campaign, play through Mercenaries, just becoming a savant at it, and me basically just not touching it. And I don't, I never like abjectly just sort of like saying no, rejecting it, just sitting there very conflicted with it the entire time, which is. Definitely been a feeling that I know a lot of people have had and still have, and it's still I've wrestled with it for a long, long time, and it's going to be something throughout this, this podcast, definitely, where I've just sort of yeah, I've learned to love it over time, but it took it took a while because I didn't know what the hell it was compared to the games that I had obsessed over. Um, it was difficult for me to adjust, and not necessarily as much from the gameplay's perspective, although. That was obviously a major, major shift, which is where I want to start, because as some of you guys have already mentioned, it was a massive, massive change in the industry. Like Resident Evil 4's impact is uh, it's pretty large, this whole over-the-shoulder thing. I mean, it had been done a little bit before, but never to quite the same extent as this, and it spawned so many games. Um, and as much as I sort of like... You know, you could poo-poo it like, oh, it's not the fixed cameras that I grew up with and all that stuff. I do like saying to people, yeah, but, you know, you wouldn't have Gears of War, Uncharted, etc. And so on and so forth without Resident Evil 4. This, yeah, it's, but it's weird going back to it now. After playing Remake 2 recently and going back to RE4, you can see the through line from that point to this point 16 years on. But uh, the, the small improvements along the way. But the basics are still there. It's still essentially the same concept in terms of sort of player perspective and stuff like that. The I would say 
number one core thing for the gameplay is uh, the ability to very specifically aim and target limbs. That is what the whole thing hands on, like just very specific aiming. Um, and the whole game feels like it has been built around that, which is arguably, yeah, that, I mean, it's going to be a huge shift in a horror franchise, which was kind of about maybe a little bit of being stunted and sort of struggling a little bit with perspective and what you could do with the character. This was giving you way, way more player agency. Uh, Steve, what? How did you feel about the gameplay? Like the the big change, of course, that happened. Did you instantly click with it, or did you have to sort of wrestle with it, like I have done over the years? The I I, I think me following the the pre release trailers, even though I, I didn't you know follow the actual development history, I was following the trailers like on GameTrailers.com, downloading some of them and watching them back. Mm. Um, I I was very much I was like you know I was on board with seeing where it went. I was kind of. A bit taken aback by just the level of action focus, but I mean, by this point, we'd already had Code Veronica and RE Zero throwing like mm. arsenals. I, I just thought it was going to be a little bit more like that. The um, the main thrust of it was, I remember watching. I think it was Mikami himself doing a playing demo, and I remember taking away the thought of you have a knife. It, like, they make a point of saying you've got the knife with you all the time during this demo, and he's shooting the boxes. To which I'm just that's the thing that sticks in my head. Like, why are you wasting ammunition? <laughs> You're not gonna. You need the ammunition. It's a survival horror game. Um, so when I come to the game proper, like no, you you can just use a knife. And I just kind of just got into the groove and went mm-hmm. with it. I did. I, I was wondering when bits were going to show up and when they didn't. I was like, do I need to play it as a different character? There isn't a different character. There's just mercenaries. Uh, so there was this weird, confusing honeymoon period. So I, yeah, I wasn't so much. I wasn't mad. I was just disappointed. Uh, you know, but, but I was, you know, I was willing to still let them in the room. You know, they, they, they hadn't like you know stolen from me to buy the game, Luigi. I, I see that. I see the group chat. <laughs> shameful, shameful. Um, no, it's it's it's. it's, it's a, I I do feel there's a conflicting series of emotions when it comes to Resident Evil Four, but as it's as it's pure game compared to mostly a developed narrative, I I can live with that. Um, mm. like I said, I can I can totally appreciate where you're coming from though, because I'm sure we're going to get to that. Uh, narrative's a little bit wobbly. Yeah, we'll get there definitely. Um, so Adam, you were very enthusiastic about the the gameplay. Is that sort of like that's the crux, right? That's why you keep going back to it so often. Yeah, it's 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 such a fun game mm. to pl- just to play. I find I can just pick it up. Um, the weird kind of like campy story, you know, like the scripting, it just kind of adds to its replayability for me because it's a game that doesn't, it sounds weird, but it doesn't take itself super seriously. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. It hasn't got like a really heavy storyline to it. Um, it, it's just a really great experience. I would be extremely interested to see like if if Resident Evil 4 had happened, how many of the games that it that it kind of spawned would be first person shooters. Um <laughs> cuz I feel like, you know, it's all the games that are third-person shooters could easily be first-person shooters if it wasn't for Resident Evil 4. Yeah, yeah, um, fair. The, the gameplay is just 
phenomenal though it's you know it's it was a kind of ahead of its time like you say you know like lo- locational aiming is so much fun in the mm-hmm. game um in the same sense that golden i was on the n64 you know that's another one that kind of jumps out to me for, yeah. for kind of being able to shoot certain areas and having the enemies react shooting there's nothing more satisfying than shooting an axe out of the air as it's about to hit you hmm. and being like sweet and, and like doing it on purpose uh it just feels very accomplished to do that um yeah gameplay wise it's just phenomenal you know that's when was um, Shenmue? What's what are we talking about in terms of quick time? Uh, Something like two thousand one, two thousand two. Okay, so good you know, I think yeah, I think it does a good job with its quick time events. It's not it, other than the knife fight with Krauser, which can be infuriating. <laughs> uh, uh, just yes. because it, just <laughs> because it changes the prompts, it's mm. not the same every time. You know, it, you never kind of really know what what prompts you're going to get. If you're um, really, really bad at that, actually, it eventually does just dictate to one button. Oh, really? Over and over. Yeah, and I will, uh, I'm not going to say how I know that first time playthrough on GameCube, Steve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll 100% be the guy who's like, I'm not very good at video games. Like, I'm not, like, really great. I don't play things on, like, the ultra-hard modes or anything like that. But Resident Evil 4 is a game that I am good at, <laughs> just from repetition. So uh, that's that's definitely something that... It was weird on the... I played it for the first time on the Switch Lite. Because um, mm. I was like, well, I'm going to play it again. And, you know, how many ports have I got of this? But I can honestly say the Switch Lite was probably my favorite time I've ever played it. Excellent. Yeah, it's really fun. It, it just seems to go really well with that kind of like smaller screen because it is a little bit dated you know um so it looks really good on the small screen and it's the first time i played it with headphones Mm. and it is a very different experience i was really pleasantly surprised it's kind of a lot more creepy with the the headphones in because whenever you're in an area the sounds aren't really like um, distance based so if you if you go into an area and there's ganados in there no matter where they are you hear them in the headphones <laughs> as if they're like right next to you mm. so awesome. you know it's pretty creepy to hear them going on and on yeah it's really really cool with headphones it, it made it a very different experience um just super fun I, um, Man, I love this game. I, I'm just going to gush over <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's gushing. That's fine. I um, I will also shout the praises of the Wii version. I'm happy that it came up so much that it did at the beginning because it's the version that I usually go back to play. So when I played it in preparation for today, I played the uh, the PS2 version, which I think is quite possibly the first time I've played it, um, or at least in a very long time and, and properly on the PS2 and uh, Steve, you mentioned this yesterday, and I don't know, I guess the Wii version doesn't have this so much because of the sort of aim and point aiming, but something that this game does wonderfully in terms of the aiming is just how all the weapons sort of feel different. 
Um, mm. When you don't have something like, I'm guessing the keyboard and mouse maybe less so as well because it's more one to one. But you, you know, dragging the cursor around. See, that is the big thing in this game compared to sort of later games, and we'll definitely talk about the impact this game has had on on the series. This game's a shooting gallery, really, but it's not an on-rails blastathon. You know, there is some actual doing to it. You have to stop and very specifically drag your cursor. So whilst I talked about being given more player agency, they don't give you too much. And I think that's what makes it so fun. Like, you actually have to balance... Uh, you know, your movement and your aiming and the amount of time that it takes to do these things. And they know how fun the aiming is because this game introduces stuff that never comes back as well, like the target practice mode where you can unlock the bottle caps and stuff. It's just dotted around. Why? Just to have more fun, shooty, aimy stuff. It's just just some extra stuff to shoot for fun. And like bits of the the arcade feel. Yeah, exactly. Bits of the environment that you can shoot. There's parts we have to draw, shoot down a drawbridge after the uh, the sort of bug nest. uh, The restraints on Ashley. You have to do that. They just thought about okay, aiming is fun. How can we use this in as many different ways as possible? Like specific limb targeting and enemies that need you to focus on certain parts. That's where most of the fun comes from for me. Uh, James, you played this on Wii version and on PC recently, so you have yeah. a, a definitely a perspective on how the aiming feels, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the aiming... Uh, the, of course, like there is like less of a weight to playing mm. um, with the weapons from the Wii to the PC, but they're still there. Like on the keyboard and mouse, I can still feel it. Like each weapon does feel um, does feel unique on with a keyboard and mouse, which is which is again quite difficult because it's a keyboard and mouse. You know, it's not um, that wouldn't stereotypically be something you can put weight to, but it seems to seems to do it. Um, yeah, I was going to say as well that uh, another game that came out a couple of years after this one, a couple of years after Resident Evil, that is heavily inspired and is one of the the biggest earning and most entertaining games that's come out is been Gears of War, which yes. has done so well, and it's clearly inspired by Resident Evil Four. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that game. I remember, um, I remember buying it uh, because of Resident Evil Four and getting the metal case, like the gun case and everything. I got the collector's edition, and I played that so much, and I couldn't wait until this ne- next one that came out. And then I didn't. It took so long for the sequel to come out. That I didn't play the sequel. I haven't played the um, the rest either. So, um, any recommendations if I should play them or not? Let me Two's know. Two's the best one. Fight <laughs> me. <laughs> Two is good. But yeah, re- back to Resident Evil though. Uh, Resident Evil 4's gameplay is super fun purely because of that that limb shooting, the weight of the weapons, um, and I know this sounds weird because I, normally I am such a hater of controls. Um, you'll see when we talk about Metal Gear Solid at the end of the month, but um, <laughs> the controls make it, make the game, like, it. yeah, it might, might feel clunky, but it's just on the cusp of, like, being annoying, but also, like, crapping yourself because you, yeah, it's deliberately been put that way, so you uh, have that horror aspect of it. Um, and on top of that, like we'll talk about it later, but the music as well um, and the atmosphere. I agree with Adam. The music when you have really good headphones on and you're listening to this game and you have the music up, right? It's a different experience. 
then mm. like if you're playing off a TV and you're just like you say it's a shooting gallery, you're just shooting, shooting, shooting. Um, and you can play it however you want as well. Like, yeah, you could just shoot people, but you could also mix up like I was doing yesterday on the PC version, um, which is thanks to Steve, what Steve taught me, which is shooting them in the knee, wait till they go down, kick them, and then just stab them, right? And that's a really good way of getting yourself ammo and surviving in later difficulties and stuff. And yeah, um, I mean, at the time it was... In terms of gameplay, I think... Cause, was it 2004, 2005? 2005. Right at the beginning yeah. of 2005. All right, yeah. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, it was the best game of that year for me. Like, And that, that was coming from someone who's never played Resident Evil properly before. I knew nothing about the series. And I, I'm going to enjoy talking... <laughs> I know, I know that the plot is kind of weak, but I'm going to enjoy talking about it. Mm. Because there's some things in Resident Evil 4 that are so interesting that I think maybe the ball was dropped or maybe they're just waiting for their time or, you know, maybe the rumors about that, like RE4 remake, right. Are true. And they're going to try and um, pad that out. But yeah, best game for me in that year. And I played it a lot on the Wii and like, I equally enjoyed playing it on keyboard and mouse. The only issue <laughs> was, was Krauser. <laughs> <laughs> I showcase you guys. You can watch the video. You can watch the VOD. Um, but man, it kept freezing um, with the QTEs, which meant I couldn't stab him, and I wanted to knife kill him, but I couldn't. I just blasted him. Um, but it kept freezing with my knife. So uh, when the QTEs came up, so I couldn't kill him. Um, and then the only other thing was the key not being able to key bind the inventory. Uh, buttons is a bit weird because guys backspace is used to move stuff around pick it up and move it around and delete is used to rotate things which is so weird and you can't change that it's so strange um but yeah i would say i enjoyed it more on the pc but i still super enjoyed it on the keyboard and mouse and even though um like even though i say like the wii is like the wii is a better um a better version i think those who came to the stream yesterday seen that I was, you know, I was doing fine. Um, mm. I was doing fine with the keyboard and mouse. Uh, yeah, you have your quick turns. It's very intuitive in terms of that. And your space bar to stab and sh aiming. Oh, my God. Because it's because it's mouse and keyboard. Aiming on the PC is superior uh, in every way. Right? <laughs> it's just so, so much fun um, to just do consecutive shots to... Yeah, knee, arm, head, head, knee, arm, and just like sometimes I did that just for fun, like and it just and because the game is because the game is giving you those tools, um, yeah, it was super fun to do. It's funny that you mentioned sort of like the me the melee stuff because that was obviously new for the series and something that I didn't think about a little bit. It's, it's that that is partly maybe why people were like, "Wow, this game is so action heavy that you can suplex <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. parasite infested villager," which is mental. But in a lot, and we're going to get with many aspects of the game. In hindsight, this is nothing compared to what was what what we'd see down the line for sure. Um, Jordan, what's and, your and also sorry, and also the fact that the melee had a cleave as well, super <laughs> satisfying. Like so, like more games should have cleaves. Okay, end rant. <laughs> Jordan, what's your your general overview of of the gameplay? Well, I I think. One of the biggest sort of X factors that this game had compared to some of the other Resident Evils that came before it was that I would say that it is the most accessible. Um, 
yeah. in terms of difficulty. So it's the most accessible to newcomers. Um, there's obviously there's still challenge there, but uh, there, there's something about the gameplay that can be not forgiving, but uh, it's at least more open uh, than perhaps you would have with uh, some of the previous Resident Evils. I understand why that could be a bone of contention if you've been, you know, up, up until that point, lifelong fan, and you've come to sort of have this experience of Resident Evil, of which Resident Evil 4 doesn't necessarily keep up. Now, I, I do think that a lot of the philosophy is still there in the design. Mm. Um, it is still intended to be a survival horror, at least for the sort of first half of the game. Uh, but it is it is a lot more open. Uh, I, th I think that's a strength, uh, ultimately, because I think it's a it's a sign of confidence with the developers that they're they're happy enough with their design that they think that uh, they can either throw you everything that you want to use um, or you know allow you to limit yourself and, and right. go on a really kind of tough run. There, there's confidence there because there's there's a lot of games that don't allow that that are quite restricted and have a super long list of rules that you need to abide by when you're in that game uh, and and the the experience as a whole. And Resident Evil Four is just sort of free flowing in that way. I, I mentioned before when we've talked about Resident Evil Four before uh, that it reminds me a lot, especially in the end game of of Symphony of the Night. Uh, where you can have a game that is, especially, it's it's coming from uh, a series noteworthy for its difficulty um, and some linearity when it comes to sort of progression. Now, all of a sudden, you can mm. reach the final boss and be, uh, frankly, outmatching him uh, by by a decent degree. And it can be a little bit of a dampener, but the fact is, the the, the control is there. Um, for the player to utilize, um, as opposed to the game maybe just sort of giving, pu you know, pushing it on you. I mean, if your typical run is probably going to be that uh, you have some money left over for the final boss fight, um, and you, you probably upgraded a few of your weapons, bought a few new weapons, uh, and you'll you'll get through it. You'll probably die a few times throughout your your playthrough, but you'll do it, and that goes for sort of the average playthrough whether you've never played a resident evil game before or you know whether you're a veteran hmm. but what is so cool is that you don't have to abide by those rules i think obviously for your first playthrough you probably will uh but the fact that you can kind of go back and just all of a sudden you can come up with a whole other set of uh, uh like rules to impose upon yourself, mm. um, I, I think that's like fascinating. I mean, I was uh, I was talking to my friend about it the other day, and uh, it got him wanting to sort of like boot up the game. And he's like, "I'm going to try my my fish run." It's like, "Fish run? What are you talking about?" And uh, he tells he tells me about a way of sort of <laughs> limiting the game. game. It's, it's it's almost like a no damage run. Uh, you only use the small attaché case. Um, <laughs> You must carry a large bass fish with you. <laughs> and you can only heal with fish. And if you, if you happen to know this, there's maybe like 
three chapters and two areas where you can get mm. fish, and they're really early on. So it's extremely hard. And uh, we we nicknamed it the John West Run. If you fancy <laughs> giving it a go. But the fact that that's there yeah. is 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 awesome. Um, and again, the the game allows for it. You're not breaking the game by doing it. Um, and Resident Evil has had a lot of other things. Sort of, but, sorry, Resident Evil Four has had a lot of different n new implementations thrown at it, like the Wii pointer controls. Mm. And again, it didn't break the experience. Mm. It made it easier for certain people, of course, um, if you didn't necessarily get on with the dot site. But I still think that the game stands up. It, it design uh, shines through. Mm. Um, I mean. You know, with regards to the aiming, obviously you guys have sort of covered it. It, it is a, a perfect sort of uh, description to call it like a like a shooting gallery. You kind of you, you park up in one place and you just try and sort of like clear through um, the oncoming mass. I, I think for the most part it works really well because it, it yeah it enforces the importance of shooting and uh, well the importance of aiming uh, and being tactical with where exactly you aim. Um, obviously, as soon as you learn how to suplex Bernardo, then that's pretty much the go-to. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But, but the, the the fact that you have all of these different um, you know, options where it comes to taking out the enemies is, is, is a new aspect. And I like that it, it has evolved. Um, it, the actual gameplay has had to evolve in order to match that. So, obviously, headshots aren't the be-all and end-all now where it concerns neutralizing enemies because mm. all of a sudden they can spawn something that, it, frankly, is worse to deal with. Um, and it's it, it's just interesting that um, while, yes, it has it has criticisms for maybe being a little bit easier in certain respects, there's, there's clearly some additions to the design that are meant to modernize it with this new over-the-shoulder mm. uh, viewpoint. Obviously, um, this was uh, Mikami's direction, wasn't it? Yeah, it's the only sequel that he's ever made. The only, ever, only sequel really? he's ever directed, ever, uh, in, his, in, his, in his history. He doesn't that's, like sequels. That's crazy. That's, that is crazy. Uh, he... he obviously is very deliberate with the design of this game, mm. which I think uh, st stands out. Obviously, it's considered by many people, if not perfect, the near perfect. Um, and I've always felt the most important thing about uh, a design is, you know, intent, visible intent. It's right. not just about, you know, what you're doing, but why you're doing it. Why is it there? Because I might not necessarily like an aspect of a game, uh, but if I know why it's being done, um, I'm less inclined to to criticize it. I personally find that you know the dot site is a little hard to get used to at first. Um, it's it's a little bit different to having you know an actual crosshair, um, which was the standard just about everywhere else. Um, and I, at first, I kind of I thought, well. This is this is maybe worse, um, but you know, having played through the Wii edition and thinking that was the way to play it, and mm. then 
coming back and doing my most recent playthrough, obviously spending dozens of hours with that dot site, I started to understand more why it was it was implemented in the first place, and it, it, it it's obviously it's great for long distance. I mean, if your dot site yeah. can pick something out, you can shoot at it. Um, so it's it it's maybe not as uh, standard issue as as a crosshair is, uh, but it but it works, and I, I've I've had to warm to it. Mm. But it, it has its strengths, and I, I can't really fault that. I think, yeah, if there's if there's anything that is maybe an issue with the game, it is the QTEs. Uh, I I think that quick time events are definitely a trademark of mid two thousands game design, and while some are okay because they're maybe not as intrusive, or maybe they have dedicated segments. Um, there are so much just happened in the midst of mm. cutscenes, and uh, it, they're fine, but it, it does kind of hamper the game because uh, it, it's pe it's penalizing you for uh, effectively doing something that is down to response time, as opposed to any kind of tactics or you know deeper knowledge of the game. Or right, with it's very separate from the gameplay. Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. Can I can stuff I back like, you? Stuff like suplexes, that's super fun. <laughs> you know, it's 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 something that is optional. Um, you have a button prompt and you can do it. Other things like you know jumping out the window and all of those cool little moments where it will sort of cut away at a you know stylish angle. That's great. It's, it's empowering. But yeah, the the quick time events are really one of the only things that is. Holding this game back for me, for me to call it a, a ten out of ten, it's like it's almost there. But because uh, the quick time events are there throughout the game, that's the only thing that really kind of pulls it down. But everything else is just—it's so purposeful. I mean, the level design's great. It's 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 great in the way that it limits you in, in combat, so that hmm. um, you know, because Resident Evil is uh, tra trademarked by. Uh, close hallways and rooms which may only have one exit, uh, you still kind of feel like that rat in a maze while also being pursued uh, by, you know, a horde of uh, zombies coming from all different kinds of directions. Um, but the, the level design is really rewarding. You can go off branch and you can go somewhere else um, that may necessarily may not necessarily need, lead anywhere, that is important to the plot or important to sort of the progression of the game, but you'll still be rewarded for going down there. You'll, yeah. you'll get an extra ride on, or find the you know, you might find a, a shortcut to the merchant and stuff like that. They're just up and down, this game has clearly been given so much attention and love, and that's obviously why it still stands up so well after all these years. Because you can come back to it, and it's still a very solid experience. And yeah, bar bar QTEs, it has not. Um, aged aged a great deal. Uh, it, it still it still stands out. Still a classic. So, Alec, do you have a defense of the QTs or are you? No, no, no. Yeah. It was it was the back it was the back Jordan up. Um, I just put it in chat, but it was um like it, you make a good point. I can't remember any of the cutscenes. Like, and I played this game a lot, 
And it's because like, it's the cutscenes with the QTEs. And it's only because I'm too focused on clicking those QTEs to actually hmm. know what's happening. Hmm. You know, and yeah, I mean, I just wanted to, to back that up because it's just, you know, when you, you're taking the experience away when you could just have given us a cool cutscene. Right. The one that always brings to mind for me is the um, sort of trap door with spikes in it. You know, I want to sit back and enjoy the, the B-movie silliness here. I don't want to suddenly be jumping forward and trying to jam on Square and X because, yeah, yeah, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah, there was a, a lot in there, Jordan, that I absolutely agree with. Um, stuff about it being open, you're, you're 100% right. Like, that's a Resident Evil thing to some extent. Anyway, obviously the knife only runs just evolved organically. It was not something that was expected to happen. And obviously you can do that in this game too. And you can do fish runs apparently, <laughs> as we've just learned. <laughs> but like the choice of weapons as well. Like there's With the attaché case, you only have so much that you can take with you. So you pick what weapons uh, you're going to take. You're only going to find... Um, a couple just sort of naturally on your journey, I think. Um, but then you choose to purchase the rest and, and upgrade them how you like, which obviously was brand new for the series as well, and how you fit them into your attaché case to make it work. You can take loads of weapons if you want and not have much space for healing items and grenades and such. Or you can, you know, say, no, I only need the red nine. <laughs> if you're playing certain versions, you take the uh, the, the bolt-action rifle because it's the most powerful gun in the game because they accidentally capped it wrong. Um yeah, so you've got total choice if you want to take shotguns and TMPs or if you want to go... I Personally, I find um, handguns and rifles just wonderfully satisfying to use. So the uh, the rifle is always pretty close to the top of the attaché case for me. I'm always dipping into that one. But you get, you get that choice, definitely, 100%, which is, yeah, blowing it wide open, this game. And you talked a little bit about sort of... Um, it being somewhat inviting, anyone can kind of finish it. And Steve, you were talking off mic before we started recording about the sliding difficulties as well. Um, easy, normal, yeah. professional, but it doesn't. It's not rigid. Now, chances are, if you've played normal and you are consistently, should we say, decent at the game, you know, you, you're fighting, you're winning, you're not dying. You've actually been playing on professional for a good chunk of that. Uh, so if you're ever intimidated by hard modes and things, give yourself some credit. You've been playing probably at a higher level than you even think you are. Uh, the only version of RE4, the easy mode is the one that basically reaches... Imagine a slider of 1 to 10. Easy only goes from 0 to 5. And normal and professional are both capable of going on to... I think like normal's got the full gamut of 0 to 10. And professional is like... It starts at 10, can go all the way back down to 5. So, yeah, you, you have been playing at a reasonable level the entire time. It, it basically boils down to every hit you make, every t hit you take, uh, and continues, uh, will dictate various things about ammo and health. It's probably why you, when you watch, like, speedrunners play this game, they will intentionally get themselves hit or even killed and somehow mm. get a faster time. Mm. Uh, yeah. And obviously, if you play on easy mode, it chops sections of the game out for you. Like, you don't do the maze. Uh, you don't. I don't believe you do... Uh, half of the U3 fight, you can just like walk through those cages. Hmm. Uh, it's yeah, it's different. I asked um, some members of our Discord server for sort of their reactions and, and memories of RE4, um, and actually just talking about the game so much over the last week and a bit has uh, 
definitely driven some people to to play it again for the first time in however long. Um, so I'm going to read some of those sort of scattered throughout this episode. Uh, the first one comes from Mr. KDB, who says, "When it first came out, I really did like it a lot. I was so excited for it that it was that is what made me got get a GameCube. He got the silver RE4 one. I have that one as well. So shout out to that wonderful bit of kit." However, at the time, I did feel like the game was way over the top for the franchise, story and gameplay. I much preferred mansions, hunters, city streets, zombies, liquors and Birkin over the hyper-realistic European setting castle and things like El Gigante. We'll get there, trust me. That being said, I did enjoy it, but I think my favourite part was always the opening village, and in particular, Chainsaw Dude. My feeling now is that it has aged pretty terribly in terms of the controls, worse than the first three because of the fixed camera seems to work better with tank controls than over the shoulder. It did perhaps take the series in a direction it never should have gone it walked the line between survival horror and action but after that the line was pretty clearly crossed re4 is still quite creepy in parts to this day but gameplay wise it's a bit of a headache um i can sort of see where it's coming from because when i step back on it especially after so much time sort of being acquainted with the wii version that's always been my go-to um adapting to having the uh, laser sight it does take a little bit of time as previously mentioned and the camera can be a bit tricky. I, I mean, this is a brand new playstyle, so I suppose you have to go a little bit easy on it. They were still trying to figure it out, but there are there are some moments uh, with the camera that that are not great. Um, and I'm, I know in particular, Mr. KDB struggled because he was streaming it and <laughs> seeing him miss point blank shots because of the camera was uh, not nice to watch. Um, but yeah, I don't know. RE4 is a bit of a weird one because it, it can be a struggle when you start picking it back up. But by the time you get to the end uh, and you got your he- your head around it, I feel like it does get easier. I guess that's true of all video games, to be fair. But um, there's a li- there's a little bit of a learning curve, especially going back to it as well and sort of casting off some of the quality of life improvements, which, to be fair, is actually something that I love about RE4 because. All right, so so going in and out of the inventory is a little bit. It takes a little bit too long. I mean, on the PS2 especially, it's probably better in later ports, but it it dragged a little bit. But the thing is, if you iron that issue out, give yourself a weapon change button, that's taking away some of the sort of restriction that's inherent in this game that makes it good. That's when you start sliding in that direction that Mr. KDB mentioned. I think so. I know that's not necessarily what he was talking about. The camera is another thing altogether, but that that's just a thought that I had in terms of intentional restrictions. Uh, I'm glad that later ports haven't tried to change things like that, like added in a weapon wheel or something. Yeah, I disagree with you there. I did a whole video on it on the first day's free <laughs> YouTube channel. Um, true, true. I, I, I think increasing accessibility and less menu diving is always a good thing. Uh, but I, I will... I will receive that comment. I'm going to cause uh, a division in the podcast. What I, will I... Say, what I will say about that, though, if you're going to do that, you have to balance it elsewhere. So if you're going to include that in a remake or something, then you would have to make sure it actually works and don't just put it in, you know, separate and expect it all to work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I mean, my idea, I mean, you know, basically, you, you, if you listen to this podcast, go on First Aid Spray, look up like, you know, five editions that I'd make to RE4. And it's a very different thing because I don't want a remake, you see, kids. I, mm-hmm. I would like a, a, similar to how most Doom games are treated by the community now, where they just add little tweaks here and there. Like, if you look into Doom, there's like so many different fan engines that have done, like, you know, adding jumping or just simple things like rooms over rooms. Um, and the, the thrust of it is, I think the game doesn't need a remake. It just, it could do with a few toggle, toggleable. Uh, you know, modern conventions for accessibility's sake. 
World War Phil also chimed in about the camera. I want to shout out his uh, little paragraph that he sent in. He says, I really like it, but I was quite late to the party, so I didn't really get the whole wow factor. It's still a great experience, though, but I agree that the moving camera is definitely not a good fit with tank controls. Um, does anybody have any defense or any well anything to say about the camera, really? Because it seems like a lot of people were hung on that one in particular, and we haven't mentioned it so far. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it... No, there there is some problems with it. Like even on keyboard and mouse, where you know you can just force it, um, it likes to readjust um, mm. overly so. Um, also, sometimes the camera just forces focus on certain things when you don't want it to, and like it's like uh, for those uh, spike rooms that have the the mechanic, you know, the jail sandwich kind yeah. of trap. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it forces your perspective, and it's super frustrating because then it will switch back, and then it will switch back up to the room, and you're like, "I uh, didn't want to go this direction. Could you send me back, please?" Mm. You know, um, mm. yeah, the, the yeah, just the auto, the auto fixing and having to drag it back and stuff that is a problem. Yeah, That's fair. I think there's a bit of issue with sort of a peripheral vision when it comes to to aiming. Obviously, it's meant to be. Uh, a more a more narrowed vision so that you can focus on on what's ahead of you but you know let's say that you are positionally not uh sitting in a corner or uh you know camped somewhere where enemies are not coming from the sides you are going to possibly have an issue where there's there's an enemy that's coming up uh that you you don't necessarily um spot uh, I mean, a, a good example of this is um, the the truck sequence when when Ashley is uh, you know driving the truck and you you're basically trying to find the right position on the back of that truck mm. to be able to see everything. Mm. And I don't think it's possible because, quite frankly, I would just have the odd Ganada that would just obviously drop down from the top, um, and you don't really get much notice and. Depending on where you're looking, you you won't even necessarily see it in the peripheral. Um, obviously, for the most part, uh, with regards to aiming and shooting, you do typically have to reposition yourself. It's almost like you kind of you, you let the enemies come close enough, and then you find somewhere else to kind of go stand and actually do your shooting, um, which is probably a bit of compensation from the player's end um, for that restriction with the camera it's the only time that it really comes up as an issue and you know i put a lot of hours into this this uh recent playthrough because i was just enjoying it so much so it clearly didn't hamper my experience enough to, to stop me from playing it mm -hmm. i just wanted to uh, bring back a former point about the uh weapon switching because uh, i did think about that obviously resident evil 5 addresses this to some extent by mapping the uh, weapon and item switching to the D-pad. Mm. Uh, that's obviously one way to go. But I will say, in Resident Evil 4's defense, the menu is incredibly snappy. If you if you go and press start or or Y or you know whichever system you're on, whichever takes you to the attaché case, I I think it's really snappy. It is it's really quick to actually get into that menu, select what you want, and get back out. I didn't really just, get hung up yeah. on anything, and I, just... I think that stands out. Go on, Steve. I just uh, I need to chime in here because obviously the fade in and out of the menu uh, on modern systems this is fine, but uh, on the on the PS2 that can actually leave you a massive disadvantage. 
Uh, really? There is a good like half second fade in, and the game is still running but on uh, the fade back in. So you may not see, like, say, a yeah. hatchet has been thrown. I can't, uh, I can't say that I noticed it because I, I did switch between when I was trying to decide which version I was actually going to play to replay this game for the podcast. Um, I switched between the GameCube one and the Xbox One version. I didn't personally notice a difference, um, but fair enough. That, that's, I mean, that PS2 edition could be quite different, but I think for the most part, it it, it seems like it's quite it's quite snappy and sort of you can get back out. Plus, you start to kind of learn the the location of everything in your attaché case uh, for mm. the most part. And so the only reason you start getting a bit of a muscle memory to switch back over. Once you're in that menu, you know, okay, go, you know, down, down, right, right, and there you go. You got your TMP equipped again. And I say the only reason I bring it up is because it's really the only version that's affected. Um, right. The benefit of the PS2 version is the laser sight. You could like it's the most opaque it's ever going to be in the series. Mm. Um, so yeah, give with one, take away with another. Really. <laughs> Um, so let's round out the gameplay discussion because there's still a lot to talk about. Um, any any final thoughts on any particular gameplay elements? I mean, I I uh, I feel like everyone's talking about the QTEs and things, and it's, I, I I'm, I've been racking my brain ever since it's come up. And it's for me, like obviously this is very simple. I can it's like getting into a car and just going. I, I RE4 I can just roll with it, same as if I put remake on or whatever. But uh, I. I the only time QTs are ever really a problem for me, it feels like it's more in the boss fight sections or literally the cutscenes. The actual thrust of the gameplay, like uh, the, where you're just, you know, Leon versus Ganados or fighting the, um, protecting Ashley rather, it never really comes up that much except for your bonus attacks, your melee attacks. Um, I, uh, yeah, it's it's strange. I, I think to dial it back a little bit further, I did say how I, I took to water rather well. I think it may be because of some. There was a few games that actually did ape, like almost like Proto RE4 style. There's like a game on the PS2 called Extermination, which literally was over the shoulder and hmm. with a laser sight. Uh, this is like launch PS2 era, so it's a, it's a few years ahead. But um, yeah, I this this for me, like I can chop and change between them. So I guess this might be a, a Steve privilege thing. I, I, I can't see where half you people are coming from. I feel like you, you're overblowing it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I can see how it would alienate some people. But I do feel like some people blow it a little out of proportion. I do think um, that maybe it's a, um, a hindsight, you know, kind of situation, perhaps. Mm, I, I see more of RE4 uh, taking from its original counterparts of like you know remake back, than I do anything that takes from RE4 onwards. Interesting. Five, five has like you know strafing added in, mm. and six goes even further to full like three you know, D motion, and then you get to remake two, and yeah, the camera angle's the same, but the way you actually execute combat is a bit more. You know, it's all about focusing your aiming really, yeah. and uh, hoping for a crit, or just blasting the leg and running on. If you watch the speedrunners, uh, it, it feels very strange. Uh, anyway, that's been... my ramble done. No, no, it's fine. Adam has been suspiciously <laughs> quiet. Uh, are you waiting to gush again, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to hold everything in. No, um, let it out. <laughs> I will agree somewhat on the QTEs. Um, and the, m honestly, my main issue with them, um, just like um, James was saying, is that you can't 
con- until you're really familiar with when they're coming. Mm. Now, now I know when they're all coming, so I can kind of watch the cutscenes. But you kind of end up just focusing on the bottom of your screen where they pop up, so you don't really get to watch, <laughs> you know, the, the cutscenes at first. So that's definitely a, a small detraction from the game, but not one that I feel like is a huge issue. Mm. Um, I think that. As we look from where we are now, I feel like Resident Evil Four has a lot more in common with one, two, and three than even though the the cam, you know, like the style of gameplay, you know, you still have like the static shooting, um, yeah, somewhat tank sure. controls. Yeah. You know, it as you look back retrospectively, mm. it, it kind of is a bridge um it's, between it, yeah. yeah it's interesting because it felt like a big jump at the time it did but... yeah but now it feels less i mean obviously right. it's a very different um aesthetic mm-hmm. but gameplay wise i feel like it's still somewhat similar mm. it's, it's funny um, because i would i almost think that maybe sorry, capcom just thought oh that was a that was a big jump in people's eyes and it affords them to make bigger jumps with every entry almost right and i think that the game is not it's not a survival horror game for me you know um survival horror is a very specific tag and it it 100 relates to like silent hill and the earlier resident evils as a very specific feeling i would say this is more to just coin a new kind of term action anxiety game (laughs) um it's a it's obviously an action game but like no matter how much i play it I, there are anxiety inducing areas mm. um, and they will always be the way it's built is is built like you you kind of run up to an area you you earn a bunch of ammo along the way and then there'll be an area where you kind of use up most of your ammo and then you repeat you obviously got the house you know you've got um, where where you're kind of ambushed but there's right. there's a lot of different little things that are just really anxiety ridden like the room where you get two of the blind guys with claws mm. in the castle yeah that's like a yeah. super anxiety room um always the claw guys are anxiety there's a really bad one when you go into um in like the nicely furnished let's talk about aesthetics later because there's so <laughs> oh, many yeah. different aesthetic. there's so <laughs> many different mm. um but the room you go into where the cage drops and one of the claw guys drops in with you and the doors are padlocked. Yep. Anxiety yep, right died. there. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, it's so easy to die there, but there's so many little anxiety areas like that. It's so cool. So you've nicely led me on to what I want to talk about next, which is the enemy roster. Um, and those, those guys are the Gara doors, by the way. Uh, just one of many, many fantastic, uh, yeah, fantastic enemies in this game. I think it's uh, Resident Evil has been pretty strong with its enemy rosters in every single entry up to this point. I mean, RE1 is legendary. RE2 has stuff like the liquor. Um, Three had Nemesis, of course. Zero is perhaps the most lacking, but even still, there's definitely a lot of original stuff that had not appeared before. RE4 is Yes, it is just as strong, especially from a gameplay point of view. Chainsaw Man, Garador, the Regenerators, Iron Maidens, Verdugo, stuff like that. We can definitely go around the room and talk about them. But this is, again, one of those things where um, 
it's it's still a confusing feeling where it's like yeah, the enemy designs and fighting against them is cool. But one thing that I still don't like about the Resident Evil 4 sort of kicked off for the series is what are the backstories of any of these things? Like El Gigante, I still don't like it <laughs> because what is it? Why is it? Is it a naturally occurring thing? Why why does it die when the Plagas is served? It, like, is it, did, was the Plagas put in it and then it became... Like, they don't explain any of it. And it, it kind of sucks compared to the other games where there is pseudoscience behind it. For this, it's just like, cool, you need a boss fight against a giant. Which, okay, fine. But they've never gone back and tried to explain it particularly well, which is kind of a shame. I remember one of the big points of contention for me about the game, one of the things that turned me off the most was kind of the lack and with the story this is kind of ties in with the story when we get there but the lack of zombies now you're fighting against these villagers who talk and that was a big thing i was like oh the enemies talk they talk in spanish and stuff it was 100 percent the right call ridiculous to say otherwise it adds to the atmosphere so much but at the time i was like what the hell is this fighting random dudes wielding knives and stuff I, I to this day I still prefer stuff like the molded from RE7 you know big stalky goopy horrible looking things that don't really say a whole lot and just, just scary in their presence but for RE4 it just wouldn't succeed without the Ganado at least so you know as much as I had like a an unsure feeling back then there's they're a huge part of it um, any particular so thing a little less conversation a little more action <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> a little less conversation and a little less action actually <laughs> um james any particular standout enemies for you uh ooh, uh i think i think that's what's cool about this game is that every enemy has its time mm. um even even the like i mean when you first go to the village village um it's you know each one of those uh each one of, are they canadas each one of those Ganados, like, yeah. ha- well, they're not Ganados at that point, really, are they? They're Ganados when they t- when it turns to night and they're, they're like gremlins. But well, I guess, I guess they're always, they're always Ganados. Ganados. They've always got the Plagas okay. game, so... But yeah, they, they you know, they they have all are pretty unique in how they, you know, they interact with you and, like, mm. and they, they feel... Yeah, it feels like a village. It feels like a small village is fighting you, which is cool. Um, then, you know, I mean, you got your chainsaw dude, which... For sure. I... Oh, on the keyboard and mouse version, for some reason, on the PC version, I never had a problem with Chainsaw Dudes. But on console, oof. Like, I was scared of them. Salva- Dr. Salvador, right? Mr. Salvador, yeah. Mr. Salvador, yeah. Is it Dr. Yeah. Salvador? I don't know. Doctor. It's Doctor. Dr. Salvador. Mr. Salvador is the PhD. one that appears in Mercenaries. Mr. Salvador <laughs> is my father. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, those, like, on, key- in, on PC, I never had an issue with them. But on controller, I did. So they were kind of a non-factor for me. Um, and, like, yeah, I have the same issues with you, Sai. However, this is why... I feel like there was a direction, and I know this. We'll probably talk about it later, but there was a, you know, there was a lot of time before this game came out, and there was a lot of debate um, behind the scenes uh, with this game, which and you can tell it by the monster designs, by the plot, right? That um, they were planning to go somewhere else with this, mm. right? Because there are so there there are quite a few monsters in this game, and they're all pretty interesting to look at. El Gigante looks like a cave troll from Lord of the Rings. 100%. Right? And it's super interesting, but also just we don't know anything about them other than just being super extra. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Verdugo's super cool. I think Verdugo, 
the Verdugos or Verdugai, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> they they are probably my favorite monster in yeah. this because yeah. they're so gross looking, but also super sleek and uh, uh, unique in the game itself, like the way you fight it. Um, that, that just shouts out to your love of alien. I was about to it's, say big shock, right? <laughs> It, it does, it does, but we all know that you know Resident Evil's been inspired by Alien. Yep. Don't at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like uh, I love the Vitigos, um, the Blade Boys. Uh, yeah, same with <laughs> like they uh, they've all got names, guys. In my head, okay, my head cannon. Blade Boys. Uh, they you know when I first faced one in that single living room with Ashley, I forgot to just pause her by mm. the door outside. Yeah. And she got murdered by him. And I was like, oh, I remember these guys now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love the monster design in this game. I just wish there was a little bit more information about yeah, them. For sure. Um, because, because they're so interesting, right? I mean, that shows something, you know, when, you know, yeah, you can just throw zombies at us and stuff, right? I mean, that's what the original games did, right? But we got history on them. We got origins of them. Right, so you know we can fall in love with them more. It's that these monsters are so interesting again, like the original uh, games, but we don't know anything about them, so we can't really talk about them much. And we'd love mm. to. We can make make our own canon about them if we want, but yeah, it just just be nice to know a little bit more about them. Mm. Could be a thing for the the remake. Who knows? Um, Adam, any particular standout enemies for you that you? Uh, have affection for maybe affection is the wrong word but... <laughs> no it's definitely affection um yeah almost all of them honestly it, it's just again it's what makes the game great mm -hmm. um you know it everything adds into one package and the enemies are no different the ganados are like a legit threat um when you're first playing um and as you become more experienced the threat outside of like the quote-unquote anxiety rooms the threat turns into fun um it's endlessly fun to kill them uh the the boss fights are all pretty decent in my opinion maybe the uh salazar one is a bit eh for me but the rest are, are really great verdugo is 100 percent a standout you know love fighting that guy it's it's fun to freeze him as well and then you know he feels like a legit threat which is nice even when you're good at the game yeah the sure. you know no one's put, spoken about the amazing regenerators yet those oh, things yeah. are flipping nightmare fuel um, <laughs> especially the ones that have the parasite on their back um just just a great mechanic there and if you for some reason don't you if you're you're new to it and you haven't bought the uh the rifle <laughs> you're like oh how do i deal with these things um obviously that's Excessive not a problem force. yes grenades <laughs> yeah. and just filling them with tmp bullets yeah um yeah the the iron maiden giara's arc Thomp the real arc thompson mentions in the chat you know the spiky boys there's only a couple of those in the game but they're super cool um mm. You must the, remember, the, though, with the Regenerators too, 
combine the infrared scope and not not do what I did, although where I got the infrared scope and was like, oh yeah, I have to combine this, and then realized all these stocks and the scopes that I had bought throughout the game, I hadn't actually bothered to combine them. Equip any, any of them, and they were just oh. sitting there. <laughs> That was clever of me. A bit too late by that point, but never mind. That's amazing. <laughs> You're just like filling up your inventory. With yeah, for like no reason. Oh, well. Yeah, I might sell this later. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's super cool. I love the variations on the Parasite, you know. That's mm. another little touch where it's like they could have just done one, you know, where the guy's head blows up and then suddenly you've you've got the swingy appendage with the blade on it. But they did a few different ones, like the weird spider one and the one right. that just eats your head. Super cool. It's so much fun to, like, little things, like if a parasite's out, you, you can get a bunch of them out and then just throw a flash grenade and it just kills them all, um, which is super cool. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny because James clued me up to something that I had never even thought about in the lore. Um because I just thought it was just like a difficulty spike when the first parasite sort of blasts out uh, of the guy. It's when it's nighttime. Um, mm. You don't get any during the day and the flash grenade kills them. So they clearly have a bigger version to like light, which I've never dun. thought about before. Yeah, uh, I just thought that the, they popped out because you got to a certain point in the game. It's kind <laughs> of got... You know, there is a little hidden lore. It's like Dark Souls. There's hidden lore in there. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's right, guys. Uh, Resident Evil 4 is like Dark Souls when it comes to lore. Guys, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All you got to do is collect exactly. all the weapons and you'll figure it out. Yeah. Right. Just, just to piggyback on this ridiculous point, I mean, there are themed runs of Dark Souls as there are themed runs, like the, uh, the John West run, as we have established. The fish-only so, run, yeah. The connections do run deep. <laughs> There's a castle in Dark Souls as well. Uh, help me out here. <laughs> I love the fact also that like Leon doesn't learn to suplex until he gets to the castle. He's like, right, it's time to pull out the suplex. Like, I'm sick of kicking stuff. <laughs> yeah, his feet starts to hurt by that point. So he's like, yeah, yeah okay. right. But yeah, I mean, just there's there's not a gigantic amount of enemies in this game. You know, it's mostly variations on the ganado um i, I was gonna ask everyone to sort of like pick a favorite but we've pretty much listed everything at this point yeah the the little <laughs> novista doors the bugs are kind <laughs> of cool <laughs> now we have the 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 room the big kind of um cavern room where they fly around is just a flipping nightmare <laughs> i mean what does stand out at least is that um this game doesn't have crows that attack you, so <laughs> that's a plus. Yeah, but yeah, that's you, nice. you know, you have just brought back about the novice doors, which I, I didn't care for. Um, just, just because, fly, flying enemies with with that aiming, probably a little bit more frustrating. But yeah, I, I think you guys have kind of covered it. it Verdugo does stand out as probably one of the the best bosses, and that's partly down to the environment itself and mm -hmm. the, the nature of that fight. You can't mm. go anywhere. So you're really just sort of buying time. Um, I like that there can be sort of different approaches to it. Or you could just buy a rocket launcher and uh, <laughs> kablooey. You know, it's, it's it's fine doing it that way too. Yeah, like you say, um, plenty of choices. You can not kill it as well. You can you can just leave and leave it there if you really want. Yeah, yeah. Um, one that I don't think has been mentioned is the suits of armor that um, yeah. are oh, particularly yeah. in, in the Ashley section. 
which is pretty cool and it's pretty freaky because they're they're set up in in the level you have to walk past all of them mm. before they ever sort of come to life and uh you know by the time they do you're just kind of like i knew it i knew they were going to come to life <laughs> i knew they were going to come after me um obviously they they make an appearance during uh, leon's campaign as well and they they can be pretty annoying just because mm. you're better off sort of trying to get them all grouped together but in the process of doing that, especially in the rooms that you're facing them in, it's really hard to round them up because they've all got big swords or axes and they can easily kind of lop a decent amount off your health. Um, so they stand they stand out. Um, obviously, Regenerators are still one, one of the scariest enemies that I've faced, not just in Resident Evil, but just in any game. Um, mm. Even though there's tactics to taking them out, which are relatively straightforward, I still just remember my first experiences with the regenerator and especially that first experience works so well because you have no idea how this enemy works you already did see it was established you see it there on the you know on the operating table uh but then you just it, it's one of those moment moments resident evil has a lot of these moments which are almost designed just to completely expend your uh arsenal out of panic because you'll yeah. just you, you'll you'll see an enemy and you just think, what's going to work against it? And so you use everything against it, and then realize that there was actually meant to be a strategy, and you've lost like half your grenades or all of your handgun ammo, and that's just the game just messing with you. Because it's going to be like, right, well, you found that really tough, didn't you? Yes, I did. Well, there's three more down the hallway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that 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 one in particular stands out. I mean. Uh, I, I think probably one of the weakest ones is uh, Sadler at the end. Um, mm. c compared to everything else, it is a bit of a it is a bit of a step down, and maybe that's just because, for the most part, the odds are you're going to go into that um, that fight easily outmatching him. Mm. Uh, you know, even if you just have your standard weapons, you you probably got an attaché case big enough uh, with enough ammunition that you could you know easily expend it all um and win it convincingly mm -hmm. <laughs> um but that's that's the only, that's the only one and i kind of threw so many great bosses at at me throughout the game that i didn't necessarily worry about it that much but um yeah it's it's always the bit of the sort of slightly bitter aftertaste um to the, to the game when you get to saddle and it's just kind of it's over pretty quickly and, and then you're yeah. just kind of you're given the rocket launcher, and um, that's it. That's the end of the game. Uh, Steve, any standout enemies or, in fact, boss fights? I uh, while I agree that everyone's lampooning and saying how a bit pants Sadler is, I, I just want to say that you know it's it's one of the few arenas in the game where most most things you can do in the, throughout the entirety of the game you can do this. Like, you know, there's exploding barrels, there's contextual attacks, you can do PT mm. dodges. Uh, I feel like it's more of a, right, you 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 have all of these tools at your disposal, go ham and batter him. Um, mm. But to dial it back to monsters I really like, I think everyone everyone's like, you know, Verdugo, Regenerator. I I like them all. Like, they, they've all left their mark on me in some way, shape, or form. I think the only one I really don't care for is the Gatling Gun Magini. Uh, Magini. Um, Ganado, JJ. Yeah. It just is a bit 
doesn't jive well with the rest of the enemies. Um, this is, I know everyone says Chainsaw Guys ain't nothing, ain't nothing but that, but this is the first game where they were introduced and they have been in pretty much every new entry, some way, shape, or right. form since. Yeah. Yeah. And I still get anxiety from power tools as a result. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't care what any of you all say, that, that Chainsaw Rev is uh, terrifyingly iconic. Like, mm. In fact, you can go through two campaigns of RE6 before one turns up, and then it's just, you know, you facepalm, go, oh, great, it's this uh, bleep again. Uh, it, it, it gets to me, like, mm-hmm. in a in a fun way. But, yeah, I... Uh, and this is, like, for, at the time, the bosses themselves are all a little bit more intricate than what we were used to. I mean, we have to remember back, Co-Veronica and back, that most of the bosses were step away from it a fair bit, fire a powerful shot. Either fire another one or back up a bit. That's literally all yeah. you had to do. Uh, you know, with the exception of like Co-Veronica's chuck a crate at him. It's, yeah, a little bit more complex. And uh, I feel like Verdugo is obviously the standout. But even something as like simple as Del Largo. Like, I mean, technically the first boss fight of this game, uh, you don't even use any of the mechanics you've used. You mm. have to like steer a boat and lob uh, infinite harpoons. If you tip... By the way, listener, if for some reason you're struggling with that, just aim down and throw. Directly down and throw. You're going to hit it, except for that one time it charges at you. Easy. It's um, it's way harder on PC, though, can I just say. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know why it's harder on PC, because you'd think it would be easier, but for some reason they ramp up the sensitivity of the mouse right on the harpoon yeah. throw, and I don't know why. Weird. I want to charm up missed opportunity very briefly. Uh, and it's the fact that you, you, you climb up and down. This is because we've been playing Metal Gear, probably. It's stuck in my head. The fact you have to climb up and down Salazar's um, statue, um, Salazar gear, if you will. And <laughs> and all it is is relegated to is a QTE compared to the boss fight with Salazar themselves. Mm. It's a shame. Uh, I would have rather have fought a giant robot Salazar with him inside it. As, if, as you dial back to the KDB <laughs> guest podcast about villains, we kind of established he's a bit of a movie fan. Bit of a bit of a crazy type for that kind of thing with all the traps in his castle. Um, yeah, so that that's a missed opportunity for me. But again, that may be having played Metal Gear Solid is rubbing off on my car. <laughs> Mobile suit <laughs> Salazar. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. I give them one more shout out for for an enemy and um, that I think is a little bit underrated, and that is the, the shield wielding Ganados. Mm. Um, just on their own, they're not necessarily a, a big threat. But when you're dealing uh, with a group, especially if you're in a room where they can flank you, you can easily find yourself overwhelmed if you don't take those out early. Um, because obviously once they get close, they can use the shield to barge you. You can take off a decent amount of, of damage. And obviously the whole idea is that they're trying to kind of block uh, you from kind of shooting at them in any way that, that would bring them down quickly. Um, obviously, if you've got the the rifle, you can rip a hole right through them, right through the shield, right through the head, right through the shield and the head of the person behind them as well. <laughs> yep. um, but it's not um, satisfying. Just, just, just a segue. That, that's yeah. But the amount of times late in the game that I would end up being tripped up um, by by one of those guys was sort of surprising. So they just they can be annoying once they're in the numbers. Plus, if you're in a section and you've got Ashley, and uh, you know you're busy fighting on one side of the room and Ashley's over the other side of the room, or even if one of those shield guys gets in between you, all of a sudden, they're protecting Ashley. 
you, <laughs> you can't sh you can't shoot them because they've got their shield towards you. Mm. Um, that's pretty annoying. And then they turn around and they just bash her anyway. It's um, not a testament to the game, though. Like when you think about it, the the, the boss fights, while they're the nice little spicy peaks and troughs, the actual the base enemies are generally more of a challenge. Like. When when you think of hard rooms in RE4, they're never the bosses. It's like the uh, the wrecking ball room, the water room, the cabin fight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hundred percent. Uh, like I have more difficulty with any of those than I do fighting Verdugo, as great as he is. Hmm. The uh, the one where the <clears throat> excuse me, the one where the painting lifts up to reveal like the two rocket launcher guys. <laughs> um the start of that fight you have like four of the scythe um wielding guys they're always a pain like, like when they throw the scythes they just yeah. wreck your health i love oh. that they throw scythes as well it's so funny yeah. to me <laughs> a cartoonishly spinning as they go across the room <laughs> again, again another monster that's extra yeah, I mean, the hatchets have, like, a parabolic trajectory nine times out of ten they can't throw them for diddly and just miss. But the, the size, the whirling death thing can go for a good ten metres. Yeah, it's, like, freaking six feet long as well. So it's just, like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're definitely extra. Uh, definitely extra. And we're about to talk about the story, which is uh, on a similar Before note. we do that, we got to talk... We've forgotten about the best enemy in the game, and that is the single Ganado in the village wearing Leon's coat after you get caught. <laughs> He's so happy. He has his own little jacket. I, I just, love that little touch. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's fantastic. I did actually just wanted to quickly lump on with uh, Salvador there. Uh, and I agree because he, he that that sound he's still threatening because you know he's capable of that one hit KO if he gets close enough um, was such a big deal at the time and we talked about this on Box Art Study Part Two uh, way back in season one um, how he was such a big part of the marketing you know we talked about how he's on the box in many regions in fact the European boxes he's the only character on it you know he's front mm -hmm. and center he was they made those we haven't talked about them, but the chainsaw controllers that for the gamecube and the ps2 because of how big a part of the marketing he and the chainsaw was such a strange thing and it, it has inspired this weird series of power tool enemies from here on out you know five and it has the giant hammer wielding magini i guess uh both revelations games have them and they start to become like organic chainsaws at that point even Jack re7 Baker's ultimate chainsaw right uh, re7 has the chainsaw fight as well as a nod to it so basically what i'm saying is village is probably going to have a werewolf with a giant novelty screwdriver or something <laughs> we i want to see a soldering iron if we have to have a power tool but otherwise <laughs> I'm I'm kind of I'm tired of it, but he's I the want OG. a jackhammer. I was tired <laughs> yeah. when Revelations had a biological grinder saw. Oh. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's one in RE6 where like all the uh, the creature's internal organs are inside its arm, which is also a chainsaw. <laughs> Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Hello Survivors, Sai here. Thank you for listening to part one of our three hour special on Resident Evil 4. That's right, so big you've only hit the halfway point. In our second part we talk about the game's story, aesthetics, legacy, ports, the potential of a remake and so on. And that's immediately available right now in all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube as well. If you're watching this on YouTube it will appear on the screen around about now. So click that to continue with this huge discussion. Thank you guys.